Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, BloodyDisgusting.com's Dead Pixels horror video game podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Monday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bolt. And for this month's edition of Horror Bites, in which Neil and I each highlight four bite-sized indie titles, we have a new bevy of free horror titles to chat about that can typically be completed in less than an hour. But before diving into this month's new picks, we wanted to revisit Nightmare from developer Cab City 13 who reached out to let us know that there was actually a bit more to the game than we had discovered initially when we talked about it last month. And upon a revisit, the additional narrative bit that we uncovered provides more spooky substance to what was already an intriguing premise with a dark fantasy twist. So be sure to check out Nightmare, which is available on Itch.io. So, Neil, we've got uh, another month and another bevy of uh, indie bite-sized titles to dive into. And, you know, one thing that surprised me about doing this is that when I've kind of like been browsing Itch.io and becoming more familiar with it, you start to see a lot of sort of patterns or similarities pop up, right? It's kind of like mm. <laughs> we've talked about it before in terms of like whether it be Twitch or different groups of developers and things, you start to see trends. But I think this yes. month we found a great crop of games that have all tried something that feel a little more distinct maybe in terms of their approach or in the terms of the mechanics and whatnot. So I'm really looking forward to diving into your uh, first pick for the month. Yeah, it has been another interesting one. One of the first trends I noticed actually before we get into this was that that backroom stuff, uh, which is, you know, that sort of almost evolution of the creepypasta thing um, that you find on the internet. And there's so many games about that. So just to tell everyone ahead of time, we made sure we got one of those in. And mm-hmm. so we don't have to do that again. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So, um, yes, the first pick of mine was Feedvid, which was a very interesting pick. I basically picked it off the front image and uh, that was it, which is generally how I do it. Uh, I don't <laughs> like to read the descriptions. I just go, that looks kind of cool. I'll go with that and then see how it works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this turned out to be interesting indeed. Um, so, what it is, is basically like BuzzFeed YouTube type application, only obviously it's not real in that sense. Um, it's a bunch of fake videos that you can't access. And then there are these personalized videos that come to you that show someone sort of walking through some sort of uh, night vision style environment. And then you do another bunch of videos uh, where that you can't do anything. There's, you get to read the comments on those videos and like the likes, and they're they're all like piss takes of like what you would expect from most <laughs> sort of like YouTube stuff, like or BuzzFeed things. Like, oh, I can't believe this uh, game is terrible. Or, you know, like here's seven things you must love about this place. And it, it, it looks really organic and like you wouldn't bat an eye if you actually saw most of it online you'd be like oh yeah, yeah. You, you, it's like you take a second glance at, oh hang on no that's not quite right like that because I don't know what this game is or I don't know what this thing is you know like there's versions of TikTok whatever and stuff like that in there where they're trying to talk about that and like seek hidden secrets in movies and games and the comments you see in all these videos that you can't watch are very typical of the comments you see online in anything like that. And what then evolves is that you get keep getting these personal videos and they start requesting things in the description of that video. Mm. Um, and then you use that to look through the previous um, posts that were on the feed to find clues to what to do next, whether that be a, a code or directions or things like that to guide the person that's appearing in these personalized videos. And yeah, I don't think it really uh, sticks the landing necessarily in terms of like how it ends, mm. but as a process and a, a really thoughtful way of doing things, I think it's a really, really smart idea. How, how did you get on with this? So I was really impressed with the presentation of it all. And, you know, I would attribute it to being the video game equivalent of, like, desktop found footage horror movies. Yeah, right? Something like yes. Unfriended or Host. Um, I was really impressed with the fact that, like, the game literally begins with you having to register, right? You have to type in a screen name and then your date of birth or your age or something. And then you go in and you get this feed of videos. And like you said, 
the first three videos are along the lines of what is on any given day or any given hour rather <laughs> uh, the top video on YouTube where it's somebody bitching about a movie or it's bitching about some type of controversial issue or something like that but it takes it a step further in a way that I appreciate it in terms of like you can literally comment on all the videos you can read obviously the comments that are there and yeah. at first I was like well this feels kind of like a novelty but they're nailing the feel of it and just the way in which that the developer was able to incorporate the puzzle mechanic in that, in that you have to really analyze lines of text in the description or in the comments and how that's how you solve the puzzles, right? Because like you said, yeah. these very eerie videos that are personalized to you begin to pop up and they essentially present the puzzle through the description of those. And then you have to go back and look at the feed and you can kind of suss through certain different clues and whatnot and incorporate that into the uh, the current personalized videos comment section. So I agree that with you in terms of like as impressed as I was with the presentation and they're just very clearly like nailing and understanding what they were going for in terms of that uh, video culture and community and things like that. Uh, the, the ending overall like with that narrative didn't necessarily yeah. work for me but again I think that this stood out more in the ways in which it was able to implement a more unique sort of style yeah. in terms of like that video culture angle and then incorporating it into a puzzle mechanic and whatnot in a way that was very memorable, even if, you know, the narrative that it was all in service of wasn't the most compelling. I think it still at least kind of fit with what they were going for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thematically, I think it, it, kind, it kind of works for... Mm -hmm. I mean, and I sat afterwards thinking about it, being thinking I, I warmed to it a bit more than I did initially. I was a little annoyed at the ending, thinking it was a bit, what's that got to do with that? You know, really. And no, I think there is a bit to it that makes sense. Um, but again, like so many of these things, we have to clarify this when we, especially when we go to itch.io stuff, is that they are often uh, proof of concept work. You know, they are like here's a bit of something to show what our idea could be for the future you know it's kind of like you know how short films work for directors maybe in film you know in the film industry where you know you might be told well what's the point just make a film like that but here and you can get away with doing this kind of thing because it throws up interesting ideas and maybe if that person doesn't make something out of it someone else might go well no that's a good idea i'll do that and you know they take it to the next level and it evolves and builds and that you know that's the natural evolution of what the video game industry used to be in its mm -hmm. nascent era so yeah things like this I would love to see something a bit more f fully fledged in it at the same time this as an experience was perfect sort of length you know mm -hmm. an interactivity to it that was like oh yeah cool I mean to be fair there are aspects of it that have kind of been done before I think uh, when you think of Sam Barlow's games mm -hmm. there's a bit of that you know level of like metatextual sort of thing going on in there but this very much as you said feels like the video game equivalent of things like Host and Unfriended you know and it, it works perfectly because of that and yeah once again like many games like this I feel like it would be a perfect part of an anthology sort of thing you know where you do that um, yeah just to um, obviously point out who made it as well because I forgot to mention that at the top of the thing uh, this is made by Varun R um, on Itch.io yeah again you can run the game without downloading it I believe on this one can't you so uh, just like that it's really interesting and you know I think yeah, it deserves chip in if you can somewhere because uh, it, it's worth giving them you know a bit of time on this one because it's a really cool concept and for you know pretty much 90% of it is executed brilliantly I think onto your first pick yeah so my first pick for the month is going to be Wayward Harbor which was designed okay. by uh, students from Howis Digital Arts and Entertainment mm. which is a, uh, a school in Belgium I believe um, so this one's available on Itch.io and Steam, and it takes about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, if that, to uh, yeah. complete, uh, depending on how often you die. But Wayward <laughs> Harbor is uh, a first-person horror experience that sees the player being pursued by an invisible monster that they can only see in the reflection of a hand mirror that they carry with them as they attempt to flee a foggy harbor. I 
loved the idea of this mechanic and the implementation of the mechanic. I'm a little more, uh, not skeptical of, but it needed an extra element to it. But I think first and Mm -hmm. foremost, what really stood out to me was just the capturing of this kind of Lovecraftian New England harbor vibe that I really, really liked um, from you start in like this woodland cabin and you're pursued by this this kind of like floating humanoid, though deformed humanoid uh, creature that seems like something ripe for a, uh, a Cthulhu-esque novel. But uh, the mechanic that I mentioned in terms of that mirror, the only way that you can see the monster is the reflection of the mirror, like I said, in that it's invisible more all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can hear it, which is helpful, obviously, especially when it sees you. Uh, it makes a noise, and then once you've died uh, two or three times as a result of that, you kind of get a handle on paying attention to the sounds almost as much as you rely on the mirror. Mm. I think that the mirror was a really cool way to give the player more interactivity in a stealth game like this that kind of almost felt like something that you would find in a a frictional game, like in one of the Dark Descent games or something, where you're obviously combat is not a part of this and you kind of have to avoid these enemies that are on a loop, that they touch you once and you're dead. But it was really an interesting mechanic that gave the game just a little more involvement than just, okay, there's an enemy over there, I'm just going to avoid them, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to memorize their movement patterns and things like that. Um, I will say, as cool as that mechanic is, and you know, it's pretty terrifying when you hear that growl or that sound that the enemy makes, and mm. then you pull up your mirror, and then it's immediately behind you, like, that made me jump at least two or three times. <laughs> I think the only issue that I have with the mechanic is that, and again, you know, the caveat always being that this is a slice of an experience and whatnot and it is this very limited piece of uh, entertainment is that it the mirror reflection becomes interfered with a lot in terms of like there's obviously if you want to get away from the monster you're going to either hide under a table that is located in various environments or you're going to hide in the bushes perspective gets obstructed frequently by the bushes uh, i found and just general some environments uh, where I was kind of like well if I can't see it like the way in which I see it needs to be reliable 100% of the time and I found that like utilizing the bushes after a certain point didn't become really viable for me because it was like well I can hear it but I can't see it because I'm having all this obstruction with my vision and whatnot so that was one of the little kind of things that I encountered that uh, resulted in a, a few more deaths than I would have liked but Overall, you know, I think that it's a really interesting take on a gameplay style that we've seen before, but I had never seen anything specifically like that in terms of, like, relying on the reflection and whatnot. Uh, how about you, Neil? How did you find this one? Yeah, I mean, that reflection mechanic is really well done. I think the, the idea that not only do you have to sort of invert the idea of walking, you know, mm-hmm. walking backwards becomes the norm. Right. Because you're you're not really looking through the first person, you're right. looking in the mirror mm-hmm. only, so at that point. And yeah, it's a bit difficult to understand at first and get your head round and it makes those fifteen, twenty minutes that you're playing it a bit, you know, frustrating at times and drag out in your head because you're oh, I just want to get past this. Because in an ordinary game you'd be like, Well, I've got hours more of this, so I need mm-hmm. If I can't get past this, then I think that's mostly to do with the overall quality of how it looks and feels. Is that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, well, that's why you're thinking like this. That's why you're thinking, oh, well, it's part of a bigger experience. And it kind of catches you by surprise when it ends, when it does, because it's a student project and, mm-hmm. you know, it's really, a really made, well made one. And yeah, the, the concept behind it is really good. And, you know, as you said, Lovecraftian very obviously I think as well because they have a <laughs> portrait in there a couple of times <laughs> but uh, yeah it's a really good idea and I, I'm glad they've sort of generally executed quite well I, I think there would need to be a little fine tuning here and there but I think that it really does add a different level of terror to having your actual viewpoint of a monster being so very narrow mm-hmm. you know and very behind you you know it's like in one way you you feel like well you can run away then because it's behind you but you lose something in that 
Yes, that, trying to walk backwards, trying to look back. <laughs> it, it disorientates you, yeah. and that is a perfect tool in in horror. And that, yeah, it's the biggest strength of the game, as it is so far, is that it can pull off that kind of terror. And yeah, I'd, I'd be very keen to see what they could do with you know, like a, a bigger tool set, you know, in making that work. Well, as a proof of concept, right, I think that it does such a great job because that's what you and I, it sounds like we're both envisioning, right, is that this mechanic is impressive on its own, but imagine if it was paired with even a bigger tool set at the player's disposal. Like, I was thinking in terms of this being a combatless stealth game, well, imagine how much stronger this would be if there was, like, a lure mechanic or something like that. I'm not saying I was expecting that in this slice, but as a proof of concept, you can see it having the legs to grow into something that when paired with other mechanics, that would be something that you would generally find in this kind of subgenre or this slice of uh, indie horror and whatnot. Like Mm. the sky's the limit in that regard. And it's just, I think that that is, this game is a perfect example of being a proof of concept in that 15, 20 minutes, it's more positive in my experience than it was negative. The little thing here or there, but you can, I could see this growing into its own individual oh, experience that like, is several hours long and whatnot, just based off of that one mechanic and then thinking about all the possibilities that it could be paired with and whatnot. Um, it, and, you know, like you said, it's a gorgeous looking game for a student made game. I mean, it's mm. downloadable. It's obviously not a, uh, not one of the web browser selections, but it is, it's gorgeous to look at as well. So, yeah, this was, I thought this was a strong start for uh, my first pick of the month. How about you, though? What was your next pick? Uh, so, yeah, I'll get the uh, Backrooms-inspired game out of the way now, <laughs> uh, which is The Parallel Universe, which mm. is by a Turkish developer by the name of Yasin K, uh, which was submitted for a Turkish game jam, Megara Jam. Uh, it was made in 72 hours, and, yeah, it does employ the Backrooms technique, you know, having these sort of yellow, you know, uneasy-looking rooms and weird things happening around them, and traveling between dimensions by solving puzzles and, and weird stuff happening um so like I said I did this because I felt you know we're going to be inundated with these sort of games as Ichigo goes on because it's a popular thing to do mm-hmm. and I thought well I'll pick one see how it goes and I think it's fairly competently done you know for 72 hours and what it is it looks you know like that sort of thing it does most of the things you find in the back rooms, um, but whew, there's, there's stuff about it that did not hit with me at all. Um, key among them is the movement mm-hmm. of the character in this game, which was nausea-inducing. Yeah, you know it, the walking animation really bobs badly. You know, you get head bobbing animation in most games, but this was like either a very deliberate choice to make you feel sick <laughs> because of the situation which I could totally believe I might add or yeah just like you know part of the rushing well we'll leave that and you know we had 72 hours and this is what we got and either way I don't think it's you know done with any malice or you're like well, it's very much or laziness I think it's just either time ran out or they wanted to feel as very much part of like the whole I feel uncomfortable being here sort of thing mm-hmm. but the other problem I had with it is it doesn't build its tension very well at all. Um, yeah. You know, it, it leads to this sort of thing popping its head out and eventually after doing some weird puzzles. And it's just, it's done to, it just rushed, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mm. feel like there's enough time taken to sort of allow for that to be natural. And again, we, this is a problem with most game jam things. It's like if you try to take a concept that's going to make a longer game but you have to make it shorter it's not going to come out the way you want I think you know you, you have to almost in your head have a concept of okay this is the concept I want to do but I understand and appreciate that I need to find a way to condense that into a vertical slice if you will you know and just have it be this is everything in a nutshell about what we want to do with this and this feels like yeah the middle was cut out of it very much like that you know like there was something missing um so yeah while it's you know, difficult to criticize it too much because of you know the time frame and you know that generally it's 
competently made, those two things sort of go, well, yeah, okay. And and I don't think it'd be the only one that suffers from that problem by being inspired by this sort of phenomenon. Did you get on with it any better? Uh, Not much better than you. You know, I think appreciated the fact that, like, the one mechanic, which is the changing of, you know, dimensions and whatnot, Mm. and how that impacts the environment, I thought was sound enough. And, you know, it might be familiar at this point, but it was competently implemented, I think. It was more for me... It was just like the setting and everything. It just kind of, it felt very gamified. Yeah. Uh, there was no real sense of like where, and I don't mean to say this as if like, well, I need a full narrative to go along with this, but it kind of no. just felt like, well, here's a puzzle, here's a puzzle, here's a puzzle. And I didn't really get a sense of what was connecting all of it together. It kind of just felt like this random space, this abandoned office space yeah. almost kind of thing, which, you sure. know, granted, if you want to show off the mechanics and whatnot that's fine but it ended up feeling like a tech demo where i think the last two games that we just talked about they had impressive mechanics and presentation that went a step further in establishing a setting as it were in terms of putting these things into it so it doesn't feel quite like a tech demo even if they are both very much slices of an experience it did not feel like an overt tech demo whereas this you're kind of running around these nondescript corridors and whatnot, and then you just see these puzzles with some like scribbling on the wall type thing. Um, mm. Which, again, you know, mechanically, I thought this was fine, but I didn't feel very invested in it to the point where, like, every time I died, I think I died two or three times while I was playing it. It was kind of like, oh, do I want to keep going? Do I really care? It's like, yeah, mm. I'm going to finish it because we're going to talk about it. But it was the type of thing where I didn't feel invested enough, and I feel that that is something that is so. That should be at the forefront of a slice of an experience type experience, right? Is that you want to yeah. feel like, well, as soon as this is over, I should want more of this. And yes, unfortunately absolutely. with this, I didn't feel that way. And it's probably the only one that I played for this month that I felt that way where I was just like, oh, that's over. And then just moved on yeah. to the next thing. So I, I will clarify now, I will not be picking a backgrounds inspired game again. <laughs> Unless someone points it out as being really, really good, uh, you know, I, for, for this, nah, I just because generally that where problems kick up when you get inspiration uh, from something else, it takes a long time to get it right. Mm-hmm. But when it's something as specific as this that doesn't really have a lot to it outside of what it is, you know, it's different than saying, "Oh, this is a Lovecraft game," or "This is a Slender Man inspired game," or a Five, Five Nights at Freddy's inspired game, because you can chop those things up in so many ways you know the backgrounds thing it's very slight you know and relies on doing things very you can't branch out too much from it you know so this unfortunately will be the example of this <laughs> but yeah like I said 72 hours I reckon with more time who's to say what they can make out of it but yeah uh, um, I don't think we're going to see a lot great from this for a, a good while yet until they sort of evolve on that so um your next pick my next pick was dinner with an owl by uh Boring ah, suburban yes. dad which is available on itch.io and steam and it should take you mm-hmm. about 15 minutes and dinner with an owl you play a businessman that is visiting a business associate's house uh though yep. upon arrival you realize that he has the body of a man but the head of an owl and when your character <laughs> attempts to inquire about the creature's um, condition that doesn't work out so well and they devise mm. a plan to escape the home which is more difficult than it may seem upon arrival as the owl man has his house guests under a mysterious spell i would describe this game this point and click horror comedy game as a uh, groundhog day by way of something like david lynch uh, given the yeah. sort of surreal nature of the home the characters and the supernatural events that happen basically every time that the player tries to leave the house their efforts inevitably end up with them being back in the house this was a game that i was first taken with by sort of just the art style right it has this very Mm -hmm. this kind of charcoal but very colorful uh uh, aesthetic to it yeah i would say it's kind of like colorized silent cinema yes you know, Absolutely, it, it has it has something about it like that, you know, and that for me was like very very appealing. Yeah, and I was a fan of just it's you know it's very surreal in that there's not a lot of logic or explanation behind some of the oddities that happen. 
but mm. the developer does a good enough job of establishing that this is an environment where the unfathomable will happen. And that's always the thing where I can buy into any events that seem random or they just seem nonsensical. I can buy into those more or I'm sold on those moments more when they go to great lengths to actually make this feel yeah. like a place where it's happening. Whereas, you know, not to shit talk the last game we just talked about too much, whenever that game tried to implement something that was supposed to be like kind of weird or yeah. strange, it I was like, well, this environment doesn't dictate that for me. So I'm not really sold on this other than being like, hey, look at this. But with this game, the entire game from the voice work, it's also fully voice worked, which I should mention. That was something that yes. stood out to me. And granted, I believe there was an earlier version of this game that didn't have that. But obviously, the, yeah. the more readily available version now has been updated, uh, whether graphically or with uh, the voice work and additional sound uh, work and whatnot, which I'm obviously appreciative of. And I think it furthermore influenced just the tone that the game's going for, because mm. while it does dabble in the supernatural and like murder and things like that, there is this very sort of cheeky, macabre approach to everything, whether it be mm. the, the way that characters talk, the way they interact with people, the way they comment on oddities that happen. I was really taken with this in a way that I was not expecting to. I thought this was going to be like a strange looking, but by all accounts, fairly standard uh, point and click, but I was pleasantly surprised. How about you? How'd you get on with this one? Yeah, I mean, aesthetic aside, I, I did worry that it might be a bit dry, you mm-hmm. know, um, just because it looked a little dry because of that aesthetic almost in a way at the same time as it being an intriguing aspect of it right. but no it really does um, while not anything like in, um, in terms of what it actually comes out of it kind of has something about the George Melias about it you know the you know, the icon of silent cinema you know with the, the weird and crazy shit you'd have happen <laughs> in his films and the, the ingenuity of Erdie's stuff he made it has something about that which is like the, if you were living in that time it would have been like how the fuck's he done that? You know, how, how the <laughs> yeah. fuck's that like, What the fuck is going on? This is absurd. This is that. And it has a little of that. You know, you know, if you think of what Lynch does, I think Melies is very much like the the originator, if you will, of like just having like things that feel unnatural and weird but work, you know. And yeah, there's a little bit of that here. I love the old school point and click style in nature of it. It fits it beautifully and yeah it feels like again I always think this is a compliment it feels like some sort of game you didn't get to play in the mm. 90s you know like it, it really does things that make me go oh yeah I, I, I'm i sure I played something like this before but not you know and it's great in that regard it does cool little things um, I think it's only modern inspiration I would say is that it's got a very escape room feel in, in terms of like how you are supposed to get out of this situation and you know it's constantly trying to box you back in again and that is what made it the most intriguing for me is that you know as as throwback as it felt in so many other ways that was like the bit that was like oh okay yeah this is the bit this is what makes it feel like something fresh and modern and I'm all for that I'm all for something nostalgic with modern tendencies and this really did that for me yeah i was really pleasantly surprised to see that it abided by a lot of the sort of expectations i have of a classical style point and click adventure game Mm -hmm. and yet it does things that you know that they've never done before in a game like that and without spoiling it um you know the further or rather the more the player fails to break out of this loop or this uh spell the more that the world changes, and that's all I'll say about that. But it does so in a way that feels very, you know, think of any type of uh, supernatural Groundhog Day type setting where, you know, the world gets weirder and weirder and more manipulated in ways that, you know, while it's not overly complex, at times, like, you'll find that maybe you'll encounter a situation where you're like, well, maybe I need to change my thinking, but even if you're going to experiment and you fail, you're rewarded by... An additional piece of dialogue, you're rewarded by a way that the environment changes or something to that nature, which I found rewarding in itself. And, you know, like I said, it's I think it's about a 15, 20 minute experience. So definitely worth checking out. And uh, I'm glad you got on with it as well as I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, like I said, just 
quite apprehension it worked really well and you know if you want to chip the developer a few quid there, there's a, a soundtrack that you can buy on Steam you know, to add to it and I'm sure that goes to them anyway so uh, it, uh, I think it's worth it for the, the effort they put in that's a great point. It's well worth mentioning that, um, you know, on, obviously every time you download something or go to download it on Itch.io, like you have that option of either meeting whatever the minimum payment mm-hmm. requirement is, or if you just want to kick them a couple of bucks if it's free. On Steam, obviously there's not that option, but a majority of these types of games do have a, a deluxe edition, which has either yeah. art, to your point, a soundtrack which is for usually like five bucks or something like that. So yeah, that's a great way to support them if for whatever reason people are more inclined to use Steam over Itch.io. That's a fantastic way to support developers as well. I mean, I've pretty much taken to this project with Horrorbytes to you know, give whatever they want as the minimum donation yeah. and then go, you know, depending on how I feel about the game afterwards, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to chip a couple of extra bucks to that one or that one or that one and then go from there it's like because you know going into it I don't know how I'm going to feel mm-hmm. but at the same time you know we are in a way profiting off that by featuring them here and talking about it and using it as part of what we're doing so at the very least you should be meeting we're, meet, we're trying to meet that it yeah. makes sense to me so yeah it's that, that's and for ideas that come out of these things, I think you know it is perfect to, to give them something, you know, because that's the, how do you get it? Mm-hmm. The uh, progression without having people having the encouragement. We're one mind on that. What was your next pick? So, um, True for Dare, I think I'll go with next, um, which is a single-player 3D horror game co-created by Eloise Lavoie Defoe and Ross Curry. Um, two teens on a dare have to go into an abandoned mansion and when one goes in the other one has to go in to find out what's happened to them they've been captured somewhere and the only way to do it is to try and find the key going around this mansion and you know this it basically just trying to rescue that okay so going into this again very much a proof of concept game jam sort of thing Going here, this was, in fact, this was a uh, buddy up jam, I think, where two developers uh, come together to make a game together um, in a short space of time. Um, three days, I think, for this one. Again, so 72 hours. And yeah, so there are so many things about this where I could admit that, you know, you can see that it was made in 72 hours in terms of like what was left on the table, so to speak. But it's the game out of everything this week that really connected with me aesthetically on so many levels that I didn't know it would. Hmm. So one of those things was having the balls to have an option very early in the game to say, yeah, you get two choices. Either go in after the other person to save them or fuck off and run away. And you can just fuck off and run away. And <laughs> like that. And it's like, and I was like, brilliant. That's great. Give people that option. Excellent. I, I did that the first time. And I was like, okay, so now I go back and play the game. So it's like, that's great. Um, but the thing that struck me the most about this was the art style. It's, you know, we, we've talked about retro art style being like a big thing at these. And usually it's like PlayStation 1 style graphics. This kind of feels more like PS2-ish but also PS1-ish and so it feels modern and classic in one go yeah it's very it's satisfyingly clunky and chunky I should say you know it's um, something about everything about the environment just feels like has like a weight to it and like feels like I don't want to say cartoonish because that would make it sound like it's being a detractor of the game but it really does just have that sort of chunky cartoon vibe to everything where it's it looks like a that kind of haunted house and like like a 3d adventure game if you will you know which it is essentially and like something that would uh, double fine or lucas arts would make in a 3d environment yeah and that really just sort of got it for me i was like I can kind of overlook the other 
you know, things that are not quite great with them. You know, like the controls are a bit, you know, it's squiffy here and there. In terms of like movement, you skate around a bit too much. Um, there's some very basic scares, you know, where like a, something just walks across doorways occasionally and just screams at you. And, and then, you know, obviously you don't see it. And the fact, you know, being a game jam, I think it ends very abruptly before you actually get into the meat of anything. But, as we were talking about earlier, it's very important that that bit leaves you thinking, well, I'd like to see the rest of this. You know, mm. I'd like to have more. I, I'd like something in this cool, goofy, cartoony, sort of spooky world where some sinister thing is going on. I'd like to see more of it. And, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's very much the game that surprised me the most in terms of like yeah, for, for its failings you know, for in its short lifespan it's really really good because it does stuff that I really like you know straight away I totally agree in terms of like it felt very designed with a PS1 horror aesthetic or rather mm. um, sensibilities in terms of development or construction almost something akin to like Spencer Mansion that from the outside looks familiar but on the inside it feels like an actual space and what I was even more surprised about in terms of that space and the geography that's established is none of the rooms necessarily felt like they were just carbon copies of one another and I think that's something that typically can be an issue with a lot of these games that are obviously made within a 48 or 72 hour span for a jam game jam of uh, of sorts and things like that I was surprised at how much detail there was in establishing parts of the house but also giving it a sense of personality like there's multiple ways to get into the house right you can either go through the front door or there's a crack in the side of the wall you can climb through or there's a rope like a bed sheet rope that leads up to a bathroom on the second floor and in the grand scheme of things none of these give an advantage over one or the other, right? There aren't, with the exception of one door, there's not a lot of locked doors. You're not trying to avoid an enemy. But I just appreciate the fact that they took the time to give this location some unique properties or something that defines it other than just being like another creepy house. But then you get in the house and every single thing is just looks like it's been copied from the previous room you were in. Yeah. There's this real sense of geography there, which I was appreciative of, which... You know, it made me, I don't know if it made me overlook, but it kind of quelled some of the issue I had with maybe the scares that were in it, which it's like you walk up to a mirror and a face appears and it screams or there's a ghostly apparition or something. I'm not going to fault it too much for that because of it does something that so few of these small slices, I think, really capitalize on in a meaningful way. So, yeah, this one was a surprise. And uh, like you had said... It does just enough that when it ends, you're like, well, I want to know more about this. I want to know about the Watcher, mm-hmm. I think, which is like the serial killer that's supposed to be hiding yes. out in the house. Um, and for what it was, there was a decent amount of interactivity in terms of like you have to go from environments, you come to a um, environmental obstruction, so you have to find either a key or an axe or something like that, yeah. which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, again, is not this like a monumental milestone of the game, but <laughs> it at least is giving the player something to do other than run around this house and just be like, well, I go here and then there and just giving you a, the player a little bit of interactivity on top of exploring this environment that I think goes beyond what some of these other haunted house style games do. Um, it deserves credit in that regard. And yeah, this was a, uh, a pleasant surprise. Fantastic. So uh, your, your penultimate choice. Yeah, so my uh, my penultimate choice is going to be Maple County by developer Thorn Baker, uh, which is available on Itch.io. And this will take about five minutes, I think, give or take. Yeah. Uh, it's a, one of the shorter experiences, but it was one that I think was definitely a standout in terms of the presentation, but also mm-hmm. in the multiple types of ways in which you can explore this very sort of creepy pasta-inspired style storytelling. Uh, So the player is presented with the VHS tape of a police training, Maple County. And Maple County is a town you don't know much about other than it's enduring this unknown threat. And it's constantly alluding to the threat through vague and increasingly unsettling images and reports of strange occurrences that have been happening in the county. Um, It does a really good job of dancing around the threat, but doing so in a way that 
it doesn't become annoying. You know, as short as it is, it never becomes this thing where yeah. it's like, well, just come out and say it. It feels very much like this unknowing thing that you have these brief bits of detail about that ultimately the player is going to kind of like piece together this monster for themselves. Yeah. But I was really impressed in terms of how short it was, but how well it does at facilitating, illustrating just this this threat that you get a sense of what it's like, but you never fully get to know what it's like. So yeah. it does that through like bringing up these images of people, right? It's trying to help the person doing the, sim- the training to identify what the threat looks like. But hmm. initially it's giving you an image of two different people, right? And it kind of looks like these, these mug shots that are in like, I don't know what, what pixel it would be. It'd be like 16 or 32 bit pixel type thing. And yeah. they both look human, but one of them looks just a little off. Like they're, yeah. I think they give a description early on that says that the threat, its eyes are spaced just a little too far apart or something yeah. to that extent. And, you know, it's noticeable, but it's not to the extent that it jumps out at you right away. It doesn't look like an alien or it doesn't look like a, an overt monster, right? It kind of just looks a little yes. odd. But then you kind of move on from that. And then you get another set of images and you have to pick the one that is the most unsettling. And then you get to the third round of images and without saying what it is, it then goes fully into creepypasta mode where you're like, okay, there is something overtly wrong here. And there is this threat that is unhuman. It's it, it's undeniable that now this is a supernatural threat. This is not just a some weirdo in the town and whatnot. And then the game takes it a step further in that you review a VHS tape of an actual encounter with the being. And then the player has this brief interactive moment where they go from seeing this basically like a uh, TV monitor to being in the moment of Mm. a piece of evidence, which I just love that contrast between the two of having this secondary source versus the primary source, right, of an encounter, which was a fantastic contrast, I thought. And it furthermore fleshes that out. And you know, true to a uh, creepypasta style storytelling, there's little dialogue, but every single bit of dialogue or of text, I think, adds something to it, um, which is so imperative. You don't get these sort of long descriptions of anything. You just get a couple of words or a sentence or two, but it does just enough to establish the setting, the threat enough that you know it's a threat without overtly explaining what it is um, in a way that was not only constantly sort of emitting this brooding atmosphere, but as soon as it ended, I was like, I need a, I need a full game of this or I need an hour long experience or a two hour experience. And it was only five minutes, which Mm. I think is notable, you know, especially for one of these games that we highlight that you expect that the browser based games are going to be shorter just because of the technical limitations, uh, give or take, but with something that's downloadable, I was expecting it to be a 15 or a 20 minute experience. And I think that's notable in terms of it's only five minutes, but it carries the weight of something that deserves to be a full fledged experience. And yeah, I was very, very pleasantly surprised by this. How about you? How did you, uh, how did you find Maple County? Yeah. As boring as it is, I'm going to have to agree with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is, uh, we, we don't do false conflict there. So, um, but yeah, it just, it really did just sell the idea so well and when it does do that more interactive piece you know which is you know, barely 15 seconds maybe uh, when you think about it um the way they hide the, the game graphics in it you know because they, they try to make it look as you know like this is a real person this is a real street this is a lot of so when they naturally have to go to the game bit you don't want it to be too jarring, right. I suppose, because then you're like, oh, okay, that kind of takes you out of the spirit. So how they do that is by having like this tracking effect, you know, the, the video tracking effect that sort of is a continuation of that tape, as you said, very smart to sort of integrate that. And it's so distorted and so weird that you can tell what's going on to a degree, but it kind of gives the illusion of reality. You you know what I think back to is like when you get to the PS2 era of games where at the time you could sort of squint and believe it was real. You know, like yeah, on some things you're like, if I just yeah, I'll squint a little and that almost looks like I would 
uh, I'm really watching a, a football match or that's real people like that you know looking back at that sounds ridiculous because <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> but weirdly it did it really did feel like that and that effect is kind of like that you know it, it's just adding that sort of you know squint effect in a very thematic way you know and that's, that's smart that's really smart I, I'm very impressed with that little uh, think of it and like you said more of this would be more than welcome because it sounds like a cool idea you know and yeah just more please absolutely more yeah I, I don't think it can be really understated just in the ways in which it's able to incorporate a multitude of experiences in one short package and yet if anything it's the most apt way to tell that story right because it gives you a variety yeah. of experiences you get that brief computer section where you're like very clearly looking at pick this image or this image on something that looks akin yeah. to like an old DOS system or something or an Apple II <laughs> and yet they're still able to convey so much tension and basically like terror in those very sort of uh, rudimentary graphics and then you get that first person moment but then there's also a section that is all basically like a, uh, a phone call with a 911 operator and it's fully yeah. voiced and everything and I just love that you get this multitude of perspectives on what is happening and by the end of the day it's never fully explained or anything like that you know that's part of the uh, yes. why it works so well or this style of storytelling is nothing is fully explained and yet you're given just enough pieces that it is ultimately more terrifying than if they had fully explained everything but yeah I was thoroughly impressed with this and this is probably the highlight of uh, the month for my picks at least but I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as I did yeah, yeah, I mean, it's definitely up there. I'd say it's, um, yeah, it, wanting more from it is, as we said, the key to any of this. You know, it, 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 it works so well because of that. So, yeah, um, we'll go on to my final choice then, which is Father, the Truth, or, or um, which is the Clove Hitch Killer, the game, I suppose, <laughs> in a way. Um, but, Less surreptitious. Um, so, uh, this is by Tyrobite, again on itch.io. Um, description basically as you just woke up on a rain, a dark rainy evening, your parents have gone out for dinner and you're home alone. But is that the truth? What has happened in this house while you were asleep? What are the secrets that lay <laughs> hidden within this house? And basically, you are this child discovering that your father has a very very dark secret and yeah so that side of it is intriguing I have to say um it feels I think this is probably going to be a thing we get more now the more we play these small games is you're going to feel that familiarity and go well this kind of feels like that other game I played a lot of it came across as like Tornuktu Mm-hmm. On the first episode we did, um, I would say you know, like you know. Tornuktu and uh, Home Alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's those two. Yeah, exactly it. Um, and yeah, Kid in Peril, but not. But it does its own thing. To be mm-hmm. fair, it it, go, it goes in an interesting way. Predictable, I might add. Yeah. And being as short as it is means that again, it could have done with maybe an extra 10 minutes of building towards what it was building towards yeah and it's not entirely clear towards the end of it what you're supposed to be doing which feels I don't know if it's on purpose or not but it it feels like it's sort of trying to drag out the time by having a bit of ambiguity where it didn't need to be Mm -hmm. Um, in a full game Absolutely. Have have a bit of ambiguity. You're trying to make the most of it. When you're making these, what are essentially vertical slices, you want the player to just sort of be guided along the path a bit more because you are telling an interactive horror story, you know, and as such, you don't really want to challenge anyone too much or, or give them too much to think about mm. because you take them out of the moment. You know, it's like, 
it's different when you're doing multiple hours in a game and you, interactivity is and wandering around and exploring is part and parcel of everything you're doing. But when it's 10 minutes, no, you've got to push things along a bit. Because as we've just said with the previous thing, five minutes is enough. You can do everything you want to do in five minutes, absolutely, if you have the right idea. You don't have to have a like, oh, yeah, we'll do this. You wait for that, like that. And that was my main complaint here. You know, it's like that. The, the end reveal was very good for what it was. You know, I think, I suppose the fact they were very honest and upfront about, like, like you know what's going to happen here. You know that. You know, the father has a sinister past and what that entails to a degree mm-hmm. um, yeah and then it just became okay that's a conclusion cool yeah that's a, as a as good a conclusion you could have got out of that situation I think and yeah it's, it's pretty well made pretty well done I think with more time and a bit more to it it could be a lot better though yeah, I was impressed with, I guess, the smaller details of it, which, considering mm. how familiar some of the variables are, I was more impressed by the fact that they included those, which is, you know, you find the the sort of uh, general creepy letters or notes and whatnot, but yeah. they went a step further. Instead of just reading blood smears on a wall, they're documents. When you interact with the document, it pops up on the screen and it gives you a little text box. Or yeah. when you go through certain doors... It's very much, you know, a homage or a copy of going through the doors in the original Resident Evil, right? Yes. So I'm appreciative of the fact that they went that extra distance with little things like that throughout. And, you know, even when you're interacting with when you come across like dismembered corpse at one point or a corpse that's hanging from a ceiling, instead of just like having a text box, it breaks into like the cinematic classic PS1 view where you get the black borders and then it kind of frames it almost like this is the shot that they want you to highlight while you read yeah. that and you know they're little things they might see they are inconsequential at the end of the day but from a presentation standpoint on a number of things that felt familiar I'm at least appreciative of the fact they went the distance in presenting them in a way that took a little more thought or it took yeah. an, an extra step in presenting that um, I do really like the ending like you said like you did uh, I appreciated the blending of what you expect with something a little more supernatural um but yeah, it's, I guess my only complaint that, you know, mentioned uh, Tornuktu was that this game could have implemented what Tornuktu did when there's something you're supposed to interact with. There were these little kind of like sparkles that would uh, yeah. highlight above something. Whereas with this, my experience was longer because I had to run around the entire house and find <laughs> the one thing that I had to interact with to progress my progress. And it wasn't so obvious um, just because... There's no reason why you would expect to have to interact with this one specific item to get to the next part, which progressed the story. Um, so that's maybe a minor complaint of mine. But yeah, you know, familiar, but I think it was more than competent at what it set out to do. And uh, it's definitely not the worst of these types of experiences that we've uh, either played before or highlighted on the show before. So yeah, it was a, yeah. Uh, a good pick of yours. So, we come to the final game of the show, which is yours, and that is Lure. So, talk to us about Lure. Yeah, so Lure by uh, Blue Moon Games, which is available on Itch.io. This will take you five minutes, if that. Uh, and in, yeah, yeah, definitely the quickest of the lot, I mm-hmm. think. The quickest, yeah. but I will say I think it had the biggest payoff of an ending in the sense that... <laughs> Definitely the shortest of the experiences, but it has a payoff that uh, is well worth entertaining. So in Lure, you accept the offer of this strange old man uh, to fish at the abandoned uh, Shinto temple uh, in exchange for a big payout, basically. Um, It is very in line with sort of this VHS tracking presentation that we're used to, PS1 style era graphics. But I liked the idea of exploring this very secluded area that's out in the open. You know, so many of these games that we've played or that we've seen with a similar setup, you're kind of exploring either the house, you're exploring a store, or exploring just like an abandoned office. And so to be wandering around sort of just this wilderness out in, uh, I believe it's like the Japanese countryside, was at least switching up the location and Mm -hmm. the idea of exploring this long abandoned shrine or temple 
I like the idea of like there maybe being some type of mysticism involved. Um, so yeah. I like the idea that you know culturally it seems a little bit different than exactly what you're expecting with something like this. Um, and the game's pretty simple. You pick up a fishing rod, you go out to the temple, and there's two fishing holes basically. And so you can go to one, you fish, you bring a fish back, and the guy says, "Oh, I don't want one. I want three fish." And you go back and. I don't want to say any more than that, just because the game has such a phenomenal payoff that really did make me belly laugh in the sense of it leaning so heavily into this <laughs> dark comedy horror sensibility. Um, and it was completely unexpected. It was a wonderful surprise. And, you know, after so many of the games that we both picked and just kind of like running through them all in a single evening, this was a great way to kind of like put a cap on this month's horror bites because yeah. <laughs> it genuinely surprised in a way that was not in line with kind of what I've come to expect from a lot of these types of little bite sliced uh, horror experiences that you kind of get a general sense of like where they're heading. But this, I had no idea. And it, uh, it, it quite literally took me out because I was laughing to the degree I had to show my roommates and replay it. So how did you get on? <laughs> uh, how did you get on with this one? Yeah. So we're talking at the dinner table. My kids are like, getting more into horror games and stuff as it is uh, I was just talking about the stuff I played for this and I got to the description for this and they were immediately intrigued by the idea of how on one level you could say oh it, it sounds utterly stupid mm. but that's why it works you know it, it, it goes the opposite way you know I've seen so many of the game, these sort of things where the expected thing is like well, you go and do something and then you do it again and again and again and then something slightly different will happen each time and all and maybe you get a bit sinister. And ironically, we've been talking about all these games so far that have not quite handled the, the pacing and the tension of things well and drawing things out like that, which is what this game should do in theory, <laughs> but it counteracts that by being absolutely like no fuck that we're doing this <laughs> yeah. and just going with it and that is why it works because it chooses something that no one was going to pick you know no it's not normal it's not traditional brilliant and i don't know if it's just because i've been playing elden ring a lot and there's so many instances of things like that where you just like something wants to happen out of nowhere and you're like what the fuck is that you know, <laughs> and like that yeah. and this very much felt like an extension of that and yeah so I love that and the visuals you know, again this sort of low poly sort of PS1-esque thing despite the small environment you're in very atmospheric I, yeah. I was really into that and yeah it's I lo I'm always a sucker for stuff that sort of goes against the norm and does something that's very much like a rub you the wrong way kind of thing and that is great for it yeah, I, I thought this was really fun for what it did. I thought that this was a great example of how you can have a presentation that maybe has almost in and of itself become a trope sort of within these mm. communities and things like that. But at the same time, you can't 100% rely on that presentation because you can still catch that uppercut, whether it be more dark comedy focused or more horror focused. You know, it's this was a game that really told me to like check my expectations in terms of based off yes. of what something looks like. Because I picked this, you know, much like one of the ones you picked. Um, I forget which one you had said, but you picked it based off of how it looked, and that was how I picked yeah. this one. I figured, oh well, I like the general description, which is as brief as it could be. That there could be some spooky stuff that happens in this, and then mm. to get the ending that I got was just it was the wonderful just bow on top for uh the, <laughs> the month of march's horror bites but yeah this was uh this was a welcome delight and you know like i said it's less than five minutes long so there's no reason why people shouldn't definitely check it out because it will leave quite the impression yeah i mean that's been key to this really it's like the length of time is just it it's almost irrelevant if you pace it exactly with that in mind mm -hmm. you know and you're not trying to make something bigger and uh, fit it into a smaller time capsule without really thinking of how that works mm. and most of these they understand that and yeah so it's inevitable that you're going to get ones that don't you know, and that try to do too much and bite off more they can chew 
that's the way of it. But yeah, it, it is great that you can have people make such masterful things. And it's no sort of surprise when I mentioned about like George Melies and that sort of era of like short film cinema, you know, that at the, at the beginning of that, that you could get a lot out of so little. This really does feel like that, you know, in a lot of ways. When you get games like this, where it's like, oh, a few minutes to make your point perfectly and still be as like, what? what? Yes, brilliant, <laughs> like that. Uh, I mean, even at like, before he went, for, you know, with longer stuff, A Trip to the Moon, you know, it's George Melia's most famous sort of film, is like, what, 15 minutes long? Yeah. And it does all these things, and when you have the context of when it was made and all this stuff, it's like it's impressive as fuck. You know, it was made and done the way it was, and it it feels absurd and exciting. You know, like that, and you just don't get that very often with this. You know, it with um, games. You know, to get games that are focused on that short length, because games are always. Um, tried to drag out everything you know and you know from the early days of games the idea was like well the only way we can keep you playing this is to make it so bloody hard that you really <laughs> you must put 40 50 100 hours in just to complete it because because we limit you in some way whether that be like you have to keep putting money into a coin slot or like you know it's just stupid hard and you only have like three lies or whatever and we've evolved beyond that. So it was inevitable that we kind of went back to go forward with mm-hmm. that. And we have these sort of games where you can sort of almost reset to where we need to be on a creativity level. That we can have games that are just like, here's a short experience. Done, done, done. There you go. There's the idea. And I, you know, I'm sure there are many out there that would say oh well that's just a demo or like a, a proof of concept and we've pretty much called things here you know a proof of concept but it doesn't stop them being entertaining I think when we said last month about um, one of the games there you know I forget the name of it uh, but I would contend that as being part of like game of the year discussions just because it was really effective with the time it used and deserved it. Yeah. See, yeah, games don't have to be six hours, they don't have to be 40 hours, they don't have to be 200 hours. They can be anything. They can be all in it, and that's what doesn't get embraced enough. Games can be five minutes, Mm -hmm. and that's (laughs) it. And that, that is the wonderful thing about this, is you get to experience a few games, you know, eight games in space of an afternoon. Like that, no problem, done, and they give you ideas that you kind of wish you would see in more games. In more cases than not, it's brand, and that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that this culture of game development and whatnot, I think, has really stemmed from the idea that games, like you had said, they don't have to be. 10, 15, 30, 100 hours, whatever, to be memorable. And I would go so, so far as to say that, like, the, some of the games that we've played in the last three months for Horror Bites have been more memorable than some of the 30 hour game experiences that mm-hmm. I've played in my lifetime or whatnot. Um, and I think that the culture is starting to catch up to that more so. The idea that, again, we're breaking that convention of if your game's not at least 15 hours, there's no reason that you need to play it because it can't be good. Like, that was very much, I feel, a mentality of game development not only just five years ago or 10 years ago or something like that. And I think that more people are coming around to that and we're seeing a whole new crop of developers developing with that mindset. Obviously, you know, you go on itch.io and you're seeing evidence of that everywhere, uh, seemingly infinitely so. And that's what makes this segment probably one of my favorite things we've done with the show so far is, is that we get to talk about four different things that are each that are totally different than the last even if they yeah. share maybe some stylistic or aesthetical similarities, that we're hi- we're talking about them for a reason in some length. Um, even something that you know maybe we didn't necessarily enjoy that much, yeah. chances are it's still doing at least something that is somewhat unique. Whether or not it mm. completely capitalizes on that, that's up for debate. But I think that 
at the very most, at the very least, we are uh, seeing some interesting developments on the ways in which developers are kind of pursuing these bite-sized horror experiences that, you know, in my mind are sticking out more and more than some of the games that, you know, I played within the last 10 years that were these billed as being these full-fledged AAA titles. At the end of the day, it's like, how memorable are, are those? Well, outside of a few moments, not very, but I'm playing these games now with some frequency that are, you know, they could be 30 minutes at the most, and yet they're mm. defining in a way that it feels like I'll never forget these experiences because of what they're able to achieve in this short span of time and the creativity that's imparted in them. Yeah, they really do that. And in a way, it kind of goes back to the old days of demo discs and demo tapes and whatever like that and just discovering stuff without any expectations of what that is. You know, in an era where, you know, the internet era where everything is poured over meticulously, you know, any game of any length or size or whatever has that, you know, having this subset where not enough people really care or know about it to so you can go in and go I'll pick that based on what it looks like you know it's like that's you know film logic almost to these days you know they, they go that that looks cool maybe I'll watch that you know like that and or that song sounds okay maybe I'll, I'll listen to more of that sort of thing and yeah it's a market that's weirdly not there otherwise so I think the lack of expectation makes everything work you know I think key to what we've been saying today you know the game that we like the least came with preconceptions you know it, it came with the idea that well it's already tapping into some somebody else's idea of what horror could be and then that becomes about how will you execute it and as I said the older an idea is the more likely you are to have someone with a brave or new idea doing that you know but the newer something is the more people you're going to have just doing stuff that is like well this is that but here's something slightly different in it that makes it mine and it just feels like yeah i could play 20 of these and not tell the difference if it didn't tell me you know it's that sort of thing so and yeah that has to happen yeah and i'm glad that it can happen at this level because then it means that it does lead eventually to someone making something out of that that is superb or it's really just memorable. But yeah, the newer it is, the longer it's going to take generally to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, even as we uh, try our best to highlight all of the bevy of uh, indie horror titles that we can kind of stumble upon, we'd love to hear some input from uh, listeners and whatnot and get people to share with us some of the indie games with however bite-sized they might be with us on Twitter. So uh, anybody that is a fan of this segment or a fan of the show, we would love to hear from you guys in terms of the indie games that you, horror games that you've been playing. Uh, And you can reach out to us on Twitter at safe room pod. And additionally updates on the show uh, or your thoughts on any games we've recently played. In addition to any suggestions you guys might have for us in terms of what we should play or thoughts on the show. But uh, as always, Neil, Thank you for uh, joining me to chat about horror for Safe Room. A delight as always.